the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh! They did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double water. Hit that one from the parking lot. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. I am your host this week, Jim Root. This is the rest of the three-man weave crew joining me. Kai McEwen, Matt Cox, our weekly Wednesday check-in with you folks, giving you some, some leans for the Wednesday and Thursday games. We'll also let you know our official bets at the end. Fellas, let's dive into it because there's no weekend games. This is what everybody's going to be zeroed in on. Wednesday, Thursday, huge slates. Let's get right to it. First up, our usual segment to kick it off here, the live dog of the week. Uh-huh, where's my dog? Uh-huh, there's my dog. Uh-huh, where's my dog? Uh-huh, there's my dog. Guys, we, we had a strange week last week. Every one of the live dogs we endorsed covered, hmm. but we only got one outright win. That was Chattanooga over Middle Tennessee. But Kai, you had a couple covers with Tennessee Tech and Radford. Matthew, you joined on Radford. Well done. And Long Beach State covered for me. Tennessee Tech, I was with Kai there. And Chattanooga, the outright W. So, hey, if you, if you list, at least split your bet between spread and money line, you did okay. Let's get started, though, with looking ahead. Wednesday. I've got games Wednesday. I've got games Thursday. I'm hoping Matt and Kai came with a couple other candidates as well. I'm going to start with Wednesday. Kai, I'll go to you first here. Chattanooga mm-hmm. is plus seven at Georgia. The mocks, I'm um, thinking about rolling with them again after they pulled an outright win last week. Navy is plus seven at VCU. Norfolk State plus 10 out at Nevada right before Christmas there. Any of these jump out to you on Wednesday? Jim, of these three, I do like the Nougat pick. Um, obviously have Jake Stevens up front. Terrific basketball player. One of the best players in the country, not just mid-majordom. Uh, at, at Georgia, a team coming off a pretty big win against Notre Dame could be a bit of a sleepy spot as they head into the SEC. Navy, I'm less keen on. I, I kind of think VCU is going to figure it out pretty soon. Norfolk, I'm a big fan of, but man, I've been on Nevada all season. I'm not sure I can go against my Wolfpack. So of those three, Jim, I'm preferring Chattanooga. All my official plays that are going to come on the Thursday slate. Oh, sitting out Wednesday. Matt, anything on hump day jump out to you? No, I like I like Nuga quite a bit, Jim, but I'm with Kai. The best bets here on the Thursday action. I'm going to take Nuga money line, by the way. The mocks. Dan Earl versus uh, Mike White. Not to disrespect Mike White, but I think there's a clear-cut edge from a coaching perspective. And the mocks are now healthy. Got a couple of key guards back. Dalvin White. And then Jake Stevens is going to put up 30, 25, 5, and 5 every night out too. So that's always nice. Yeah, he, he's insane. There's You can make an argument that Chattanooga, despite being plus 7, would have the best coach best and player. the best player yeah. on the floor. That's not not so bad if you're trying to back a money line dog. Uh, I'm with Kai. I do think VCU is going to trend back up, so I'm not going to back Navy against the C or, – or I'm not going to back the C troops against VCU. That's a little bit of a spoiler for our final spotlight section where we're going to talk teams we're looking to back or fade in conference play. Norfolk State, I'm I'm going to think about. Uh, they don't have to travel very far to Nevada. This isn't cross country because they were out in Vegas for the HBCU challenge. So that does help them a little bit. But it could also be a let's just get home for the holidays. Let's get out of here. Not worry about it much. All right. Let's turn to Thursday because these two chomping at the bit to talk Thursday. No, 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 we'll no, start no. with. 
maybe my favorite one. And I know we're not going to get the line value that Ken Palm gives us here, but Butler yeah. plus eight at Creighton. We don't know Ryan Kalkbrenner's status, the absolutely vital big man for the Blue Jays. But the Blue Jays have lost six games in a row. Butler's trending up, getting healthier. They got Ali Ali and Jalen Thomas back on the floor last game against UConn. Matt, I, I can just see you salivating here. I, yeah, I know you want your Bulldogs. Jimmy, you brought up the angle of fading teams after playing Georgetown in the Big East. I'd like to bring a new proposal to the table. That's betting teams after playing UConn. It's like you just played the 96 <laughs> Bulls, and it's like, oh, I get to play a team that's mortal. Um, I think that's the effect that Butler feels in this game. And Butler actually kind of hung around for a little bit in the first half. Um UConn's just so good, man. They just keep you at arm's length. It's like even when they're not playing good, they, it's it's impossible to score inside. And yeah, just the rejuvenation spiritually, not to get super emotional or whatever, or psychologically <laughs> oh, here, just getting yeah. guys back for this Butler team. Like it just reads so um, depressing. They've been practicing with like seven guys, six and a half guys for the entire year. Still been pretty good, all things considered. Uh, I love Butler here, Jim. Yeah, man. Oh, gosh. Uh, j- just betting on Creighton to lose a seventh straight sounds terrible to me. Uh, Ken Palm now has this nine, by the way, it's not even eight, it's oh. plus nine right now, Goodness. but we've seen all season. The market opens Butler a good three or four points below what Ken right, Palm right. has, which makes sense. I'm probably still looking to bet Butler on the spread. I'll probably stay away from money line. I have to think Creighton with this home stretch coming up, they have three in a row to start big East play kind of gets back on track, at least in the win column. We'll see about ATS, but Jim, the other two games, I- I'm-, I'm ready to swing. I'm ready to swing. Here we go. Yep. The other two I have lined up for us, Cornell plus seven at Colgate. Matt's going to love this one because it's high variance. There's going to be a lot of three-pointers taken in that game, give you uh, some some varied ranges and outcomes. Two really good coaches. I, I think the, uh, the game plans are going to be sharp between both there. And then Southern Miss plus nine going to UNLV. Again, kind of an odd travel before the holiday, but UNLV is a little vulnerable. Some player limitations right now. Southern Miss has been fantastic. Kai, which one of these two is your favorite? I know you like them both, but but give me the, the top one. I'm going Southern Miss, a uh, team I've been back in all season. Uh, yes, UNLV has been great in their own right, but man, not having Eli Parquet, that that definitely mattered their last game against San Francisco. Now, still almost won that game, an impressive showing for UNLV. But the Golden Eagles have a ton of talent, ton of talent. They can definitely match up with UNLV here. I think they're pretty well coached as well with Jay Ladner. And nine is going to be a juicy uh, a value on the money line there. So I do prefer them. However, I'm also probably going to take a swing with Cornell, Matt, because of the shooting variance that can happen in this game both ways. Uh, I could definitely see them getting this one outright against Colgate. Yeah, I like Cornell a lot here. I actually faded Cornell with Syracuse last game, but I think this is a much better matchup. Obviously, they could run their stuff. They can get out and transition and score. Um, I think Cornell is an awesome team except for certain specific matchups um, in certain spots. And I think this is not one of them, right? I think Colgate has many issues guarding them. So yeah, I'll bring to take uh, Cornell Moneyline and Butler spread. I'm just trying to rehash my portfolio plays here. Okay, yeah, we, we can recap that. Um, I, I do like all of these Wednesday ones too. I'm going to back uh, Butler Moneyline, Cornell Moneyline, Southern Miss. I, I'm going to lean more towards spread on the Southern Miss one. I think they can just kind of keep it close. I also think without Parquet, uh, big time over team, UNLV. Keep an eye on that. He's a great defender, one of their more uh, capable perimeter creators. The San Francisco game went over without him. Uh, I think that's something to keep an eye on there as well. Uh, and then Chattanooga from Wednesday. So I'm going with four, one, uh, four live dogs here. Chattanooga, Cornell, Butler, Southern Miss, Kai, what about you? 
Southern Miss and Cornell taking the money line swings, and I'm going to back Butler to cover, not to win. Okay. Anything off the uh, off the radar of the not in the six games I mentioned here that jumped out to you, fellows, that you want to make sure to bring to the table? I got nothing, Jim. I think you picked out some real gems here. <laughs> Jim oh, picking out gems. Jim. Yeah, they call me Jim. Jim. Jim gems. Yeah. Yeah. New, New Mexico State, Jim. Probably like plus six against Kent State, or Kent State's just awesome, and we shouldn't fade. Scary team to yeah. fade. I fear Kent State, New Mexico State is going to be a little more rejuvenated uh, home-ish from their long travel. That game's in El Paso, uh, so not much travel for New Mexico State. But I respect Kent State, man. The Golden Flashes can hoop. Yeah, they can. No argument there. All right, let's move into our next section, Blowout City. Fire in the hole! Which, fellas, 0-2 last week, but in our defense... None of us really endorsed the blowouts. We said it was a super difficult week to find blowouts because just the way the matchup's set up, it's finals week. Sometimes the the home favorites aren't as locked in as you need them to be to get the blowouts. I think that switches this week. I think there are a lot of appealing blowout candidates. I picked my two favorite ones, but there's a couple other on Wednesday that I think you could go for. There's a couple on Thursday. So if you guys have other ones, feel free to bring them up. Uh, I like both of these Wednesday. Kentucky minus 35 per Ken Palm over Florida AM. I think Florida AM is garbaggio, like truly terrible. They lost by 35 to Oregon, 37 at Portland, 26 in Miami, Florida, 40 at Florida. <laughs> and Kentucky's mad. Like they just lost in New York. Calipari talked about the tweaks he's going to make on offense. I think they want some sort of good note, positive note as they go into the holidays and they, they get it there. And then Eastern Illinois at Iowa. I've hashed out some of the, the Fran McCaffrey numbers. He is 48 and 14 against the spread as a home favorite in November, December. Uh, uh, sorry, a double digit home favorite. So when he is a big favorite, they murder teams. Like that is over 75% against the spread, yeah. Matt. That is a trend I support. It makes sense. Uh, we're not always big into trends, but that is like, it, it just makes sense. They they have an awesome prolific offense. They are happy to run up the score. It juices their metrics. I like both of these. I don't think EIU can slow them down. Do you have a favorite of these two, or do you like anything else? I like Iowa a little more. The one I'll add to the mix, Jim, is uh, ironically a team I don't really like, but I like this spot. I like the matchup. Texas Tech playing Houston Christian. So Texas oh. Tech just beat Jackson State by 50 last game. I think they I think they were maybe needled by Mr. Mark Adams behind the scenes. Like, hey, fellas, we've been sleepwalking this entire non-conference season. Um, let's get after it. And they forced 30 turnovers against Houston Christian, a uh, markedly worse defense and worse team than Jackson State. I think maybe they kind of continue that angry non-con smashville. So that's my third add to this list. I like all three of these, man. I, I probably will back. I hate, I really hate betting 30 point spreads one way or the other. There's just too much variance, uh, but there's pretty good cases in this, in this scenario. Yeah. Maybe you look at first half for some of these two or, or split yeah. your bet in some form or another. Houston Christian, Matt, to your point, insert a team with talent X against Houston Christian. They are the worst interior defense in the country. It's not close. They are a true layup line defensively. Teams are making 67% of their twos. It's ridiculous. It's easy. <laughs> Daniel Bacho didn't play in that game for Texas Tech, and they still won by 50. Uh, it, it's bad news for Houston Christian. All right, let's move on. Or sorry, uh, Bacho didn't play against Jackson State. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think they need him against Houston Christian because they're so uh, civil-like defensively. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, there's there's a couple other candidates out there. I know Purdue's got a relatively weak uh, opponent. I think as these dogs are looking ahead to holiday break, 
and they know they're totally outmatched talent-wise, I think there's going to be big-time yeah. quit factor. So it's a, a decent week to look for blowouts. I think uh, more than even the three we said, you can you can find more out there. Next up will be Power Game of the Week. But before we get to it, we've got to get a little message from our friend, Stucky. As a reminder, the Big Bets on Campus podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. So kick off the new pro football season with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION200 and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 years or older to wager, 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York, call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 800-889-9789 or 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states were prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. All right. Appreciate you, Stocky. Thank you, sir. Always appreciate you popping in here. We're going to talk power game of the week. Oh, feel the power. Oh, I could feel it. And we're starting with two games on Wednesday, and then we've got one on Thursday that I know Kai is ready to discuss. Yeah. But we'll start Wednesday, the Jumpman Invitational, Michigan versus North Carolina. Matt, last year, UNC dominated. 21-point win, took care of the Wolverines, absolutely smashed them. Got a great matchup inside with Baycott and Dickinson. How do you see this one playing out? Do you see any value on the Ken Palm line of UNC minus five? What do you got? Yeah, I'm kind of looking to ride some mini UNC momentum, but I'm not going to do so in this spot. You mentioned what happened last year, Jim. I still have the emphatic commentary from Randolph Childress on the field of 68 after dark show talking about how important it is to most players, especially like kind of star players who don't show out well. They get a chance at a rematch the next year or within that same year, especially in a marquee spot. Hunter Dickinson and company are not going to be happy. And I know they haven't played their best basketball, um, but I would not be surprised to see them go into the Carolina hostile territory, not a true road game, Kai, but, you know, a quasi road game mm-hmm. and pull one out here. And then back to your point too, I think Kai, you mentioned this on our show today, big game, big team hasn't gotten a big one yet. Desperation going to play well for uh, the uh, Wolverines. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm just kind of worried that UNC is also kind of hunting for that first win or, or big win. Now, they've had one for sure, but uh, they need to keep building their resume a little bit more um, as they've fallen pretty close to below expectations right now. They finally got their first big win against Ohio State last game. They were down early. Part of me is leaning towards North Carolina here. I, I can't really explain it. I, I just feel like they have um, the superior talent, and, and I think they have enough resistance to fend off Dickinson. We'll see. That's that's easier said than done. He really is an All-American, and assuming Baycott is fully healthy, he seems to be fully healthy, he, he's probably going to be up for this task, tends to play up to his competition. Yeah, it, I got a little bit of turning the corner sense from North Carolina in that second half. Uh, we mentioned uh, on various other platforms, 
some of the underlying stats in their prior game had looked pretty good and it was against no competition in the Citadel, but they started to show some of the ball movement against Ohio state that has really improved. Baycott was a total warrior on the block. Um, Caleb Love's still chucking up some, some bad, bad shots sometimes, but mm-hmm. they're talented enough to overcome that. And Hey, maybe they'll even go in. That would be kind of fun. Um, look what happened in the postseason last year when they did go in. So yeah, Michigan, I'm not really knocking them for no Jalen Newellen, point guard that tore his ACL. Doug McDaniel has been pretty solid in his stead. I just feel like Michigan's still sorting things out, very young team, whereas Carolina is, like I said, turning a bit of a corner. So I'm going I'm to lean towards the heels there. I don't think I'll bet it at minus five, uh, but that would be where I'd settle here. Uh, the other Wednesday night game, also a neutral site or, or semi-neutral, we'll call it, I like a lot. Kai, I like the TCU Horn Frogs getting one point in Salt Lake City at Utah. I think TCU is trending way up. They are a different team with Damian Baugh on the floor. I know Eddie Lampkin sat out last game, but they basically rested a guy or two every single SWAT game they played this season. Uh, I think he'll be back out there. And Utah, well, I love them, and they have a little bit of elevation edge here, potentially some solid crowd action. Uh, I just think they're kind of going to, trend a little back back down if we were high in them preseason matthew but um maybe they've they've overachieved too much so kai yeah like i said i horn frogs if they're a dog or even minus one minus two i would take tcu yep it's sort of a, a bit of a buy low on tcu and a bit of a sell high on utah and you saw utah finally come back to earth a bit against byu in the holy war um they've been due for some shooting regression uh, the the, the two-point defense is real uh, the top five two-point defense in the country, I think, is real. They do have legit legit size. Craig Smith is a great coach. But allowing teams to shoot 25% from three, that's probably an aberration. That's probably coming back down to earth. Uh, TCU owed some sh- shooting regression on the offensive side. And I agree with Jim. It's a team about to be ta- t- about to take off, Matt. It's not a true home game for Utah. So I lean towards the Frogs as well. I do too, and I'm a Utes guy. Uh, I think the Frogs are a little bit undervalued. You guys mentioned they just haven't had a consistent – roster all year i think dixon said in the post games like man 10 different starting lineups this season how many teams have done that to this part of this to this juncture hmm. um yeah i do lane the horn frogs out now they have fully healthy a uh, little more time to rest and prep yep i think it's important when they have ball and miles together they're just totally different team with the different. added playmaking yep all right let's go to thursday full disclosure we'll, we'll wear it on our sleeves here kai and i are mizzou grads and they are taking on illinois in St. Louis, annual game here, bragging rights as it's known. Kai, the Mizzou interior defense is kind of in shambles. It's really bad. Oh, yeah. um, they can be blitzed inside. They're, they struggle defensively to rebound as well. Illinois does have some size to take advantage of that, but the Illini turn the ball over, and that fuels Mizzou's transition attack. Which one do you see winning out here? Uh, the line per Ken Palm right now is Illinois minus five. Yeah, tough one here. Mizzou always tends to play very well in these bragging rights games, at least when they're competent. Um, This game's been close in in recent history. Jim, you'll give us the stats in a bit here. But I'm worried about Mizzou after after seeing their transition defense defense against Kansas. I think Illinois can probably slash them in transition. Now, Mizzou might be able to do the same to Illinois. Uh, And I'm also kind of curious about how Dane Danger does, Matthew. He probably should smoke Mizzou. However... I think Illinois' best lineups are when Coleman Hawkins plays the five. And Underwood probably uses that lineup more given Mizzou's tendency to run and given how they space the floor. So if Hawkins is playing the five, ironically, it would probably help Mizzou just given the fact they will not be able to keep Dange off the boards 
uh, keep him from scoring in the post. Mizzou's going to have to outshoot Illinois. They're going to have to cause turnovers. Can they do it? We'll see. At the beginning of the year, Matt, I projected Mizzou to either beat Kansas or Illinois. They failed miserably to Kansas. <laughs> really hoping they can beat the Illini and not make me look silly. I think Illinois smacks them. I really do. Smacks I think them. Defensive issues are, are kind of start are going to start to unravel before our eyes um, as they face more stiff competition. Um, and you're right, I think the matchup's just tough here. So Illinois smacked them last year. I think we see a repeat of that movie this season. Yeah, I'm I'm worried about it, Matthew. Uh, the total is 159. To give everyone a sense, uh, Kai was talking about how both teams can score. Like the the Kempton total is telling you this is going to be up and down. Both teams can score. I just Illinois is probably going to hit 90 as Kansas did. The The transition defense is so bad. The interior defense, there's no one to stand up to Dane Danger. Um, and even if Hawkins is, is playing the five, that's a problem. Um, Kai, you did reference that this game is usually close when, when there's competence on both sides. Um, Illinois is six and four in the last 10 straight up before five and one against the spread. So basically even there, Mizzou has had some bad teams over that stretch. So they have. Part of those ATS problems last year, they got wiped off the floor, even from an ATS perspective. That's part of the issues that's that's inherent in that. But I, I tend to agree that Illinois just has a, a clear edge over a Mizzou team that hasn't stood up well against the one power, big power competition that they had to face. All right, let's go to mid-major game of the week. We start Wednesday out in El Paso, Texas. Kent State, per Kent Palm, minus three, and a semi-neutral site here, New Mexico State uh, in El Paso, very close to Las Cruces, just across the border, not a long travel for New Mexico State, whereas for Kent State, whew, that's a long ways out to El Paso right before mm-hmm. Christmas. Uh, the Golden Flashes, though, Matt, man, they've been fantastic. I don't have any interest in fading that team. I lean their way just because of how great they've been uh, with their backcourt and sincere carry and even some of the size that they've added uh, over the portal this offseason. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I love Kent State, but the travel here is just brutal, man. I, I just don't know if they're going to be all the way locked in for this game. Like they're playing at the, the southern western tip of Texas uh, in a place in an area that New Mexico State and Utah are both familiar with. Uh, New Mexico State's guards, too. Like, I know this is a Kent State pressure-inducing defense. At least that's kind of how it's been morphed into this season. Um, but I think they'll welcome that. Like, Xavier Pinson and, and Washington, like, they can thrive in chaos. I think, like, they they eat that up. Um, so if that's how this game morphs into, I think New Mexico State actually will be fine in that. Um, just a question of how good is Kent State really, Kai? Like, I think if they come in here and emphatically roll New Mexico State, I think we really have to take a serious look at Kent State as, like, maybe the best mid-major in college basketball right now. Yeah, I think they could be. And and I, gosh, I agree with you guys that if not for the ridiculous travel, I'd be on Kent State. Uh, it's not a team I want to fade. They covered at Gonzaga and at Houston. I mean, that's and, and impressive. More than just covered. Competed. Like they they could have won both of those games in the final yeah. two minutes. I, that's ridiculously impressive. I know New Mexico State is a good team as well, but this Kent State team might be next level. And I do like their coaching. I love their players. It's going to be interesting to see which way the market moves the game. That'll probably determine which way I go with this one. Yep. Yeah, the travel's bad here, but traveling to Spokane two days after playing South Dakota State at home isn't really uh, some travel great spot, and they hung right in with Gonzaga there. They're just big, physical, and have a conference player of the year caliber point guard. Like That is such a great formula for a solid mid-major. Lean their way. New Mexico State has done a very good job of rallying around some of the off the court issues that they've had, but Kent State's just, they're just too good for me at, at three or, or lower. I will probably be back in the flashes. 
All right, on Thursday, we're going to turn our attention to Santa Clara hosting Boise State. Per Kempom, the Blue Broncos are a four-point favorite on the road. They've been rolling lately. We don't know if Marcus Shaver is going to be fully healthy, though. He's missed three of the last four, and the one game he played, Kai, at SLU, he was really kind of ineffective, uh, just clearly limited. I trust Leon Rice to have a pretty solid game plan against Brandon Pajimski, AirPods, the, the star for Santa Clara. This one feels like a toss-up to me, so I would maybe lean towards getting the points, but I don't have a strong take. I agree. It feels like a toss-up. I think Marcus Shaver will matter more in this game than he has in the last couple, especially against like Oakland, for instance. Yeah. Um, Santa Clara's been really good, man. Uh, they've done really nothing wrong all season. Been solid. They're at home here. You know, both teams going to conference play right after this. This is probably kind of a whatever throw your hands up type of game. I agree, Jim, that the dog sounds more enticing to me. I would lean towards Santa Clara at plus four. That's what it is. Yeah, Clara's had some close calls at home. They beat Mexico State by one, right, which is a good win. Uh, San Jose State lost by 11 at home, kind of a late squandered down the stretch there. Portland State, they were lucky to win. I would argue one by three. UC Irvine, they caught it a good spot, one by 12, and then Cal H beat by nine. So I think they're getting kind of comfortable at home. Um, I would lean to back the dog here. I think this is a spot where Santa Clara maybe gets feels a little bit too fat and happy off a few wins, um, especially with a healthy Marcus Shaver. Where the dog would be Santa Clara. You mean the road looking to, I'm, yeah, I'm looking at the short road favorite, excuse me. Yeah, I'm going to okay. fade Santa Clara feeling good about themselves. Just want to make sure your, so. your message yeah, yeah, to gotcha. the listeners is clear here, Matthew. You want to no, they, no, they, they wrote that down. They wrote that down. We're good. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good, good. They're locked in. Everybody's got it. All right, before we get to our spotlight, last little section here. Always a, a, a one we are fond of. It's the Trash Man Pick of the Week. The Trash Man Pick of the Week. I'm the Trash Man. Just throw me in the trash. You're garbage, and you know it. Totally unreliable. Is that it? Undependable. Is that it? That's it. You've been told off. How do you like that? Good. And today we're going with Holy Cross at Sacred Heart on Thursday. Sacred Heart a seven-point favorite here, but... They have been without two key transfers, Aiden Carpenter and Brendan McGuire. Carpenter was back out of the lineup on Monday. Both teams got smacked on Monday. Let's you know how bad they are. They're both outside of the Ken Palm top 300. I might be crazy, but if both Mac transfers are out, Kai, I'm probably going to lean Holy Cross and might potentially bet them. Mm-hmm. I don't have a huge appetite for it, though, after backing them on Monday and getting wiped off the floor. I lean Holy Cross's way. It's a team I'm having trouble figuring out, though. I I've won a couple of games on them. I've won a couple of games fading them, but lately they've been kind of unpredictable. They covered against Quinnipiac and Northeastern. I didn't think they'd cover either of those games. They did it pretty convincingly. So there's talent there that Grail Gates is the best player on the floor. So you have the best player on the floor. You're catching seven. I, that's probably the way I'd lean. Sacred Heart's not been a world beater this year. Man, I have no clue other than Holy Cross has been good when I thought they'd be bad and they've been bad when I thought they've been Okay. Ooh, the so, old whack-a-mole. The old whack-a-mole. Yep. And I guess if that pattern continues, my heart is telling me that they're the better team here. It just feels like a big number, doesn't it? it Touchdown does, yeah. on the road. Not that it's a, you know, and Sacred Heart's home been court, but really, really bad lately. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I guess I lean Holy Cross. The Gates train. It's fun to ride. Yep. Yeah, the Holy Cross game most recently, I think they just kind of ran into a sort of better coach team. Bill Harry and had a, had a great game plan. Gates got in foul trouble five minutes into that game, sat for almost the rest of the first half. And Kai, we saw their absolute worst effort of the season was the one game that Gates missed. They got blown yeah. out by 40 against Harvard. So you need him in there. You need him on the floor. And I don't think Sacred Heart's going to get him in foul trouble the same way New Hampshire did. 
that is a great breakdown of the trash man pick of the week. <laughs> yeah, wow. I'll we dug in, <laughs> we went dumpster diving fellows and proud of us. Well done. Let's turn to our, our final segment here. That would be the spotlight section. We're looking at a spotlight on, we're going to cast a spotlight on teams. We're looking to back or fade in conference play. And, and typically the angle we're looking here is buy low teams to back because we felt like, Oh, they haven't performed up to expectations or they haven't been healthy, that kind of narrative. And then fade teams. Oh, they're playing over their head or there's regression coming on their shooting numbers, that, that sort of thing. I'm going to kick it to Matt first here because he and I share a team that we're looking to back heading into league play. Matt, tell the people who who it is. VCU, the Rams. Mike Rhodes, not a guy I like to play for. Kind of has that terrifying Bobby Knight, mean streak, militant type of vibe. He basically talked yeah. openly about how they're going to practice exceedingly hard after their uh, their recent struggles. Now, a lot of that's been due to some injuries and and uh, and roster you know, hiccups, which has been kind of like the norm under Rhodes. I think the key is, is Rhodes typically does well in that turbulence because he always has so much depth and his players are more or less interchangeable. Um, so especially if you get the latter half, of the non-conference, which is, which will be VCU as a large ish favorite, then heading into the start of, of conference play with a down a 10 uh, landscape. I think the Rams are going to quietly uh, be an ATS darling here, especially they get Brandon Johns back from his back spasm stuff. Yeah, I'm a big fan of ECU, Matt. Like you said, Baldwin's been banged up with the wrist thing kind of in and out. I think as he gets healthier, hopefully over the holiday break, give him some time off. That will be huge for them. He's kind of the the engine that makes them go. And then, yeah, as the, the transfers are getting a little more comfortable in the scheme and, and getting used to the defensive approach that, that uh, Rhodes brings to the table, I like VCU quite a bit as a team to back. Kai, you are in a similar realm as a team uh, with a team to back same conference, but mm-hmm. not VCU. You are looking to back who? Yeah. Dayton, the, uh, the preseason a 10 favorites. Uh, most people have forgotten about them for maybe good reason. They have been great this season, but I can see them starting to turn a corner here. They have been very injured. Malachi Smith and Kobe Elvis been out of the lineup. I assume they'll be back within the next couple of weeks. I don't have the, the time frame completely, but if those guys do get back, this team's still going to be top 25 upside. Right, they have the talent, they have the experience. Say what you want about the coaching, but I think it's solid. Um, and going to A10 play, which kind of like VCU, the rest of these teams in this league have been terrible this season. Uh, and teams like Dayton, VCU, and even SLU can start really uh, exerting their will on the conference. Yeah, I think that's kind of the key point. Is it's not like these teams that have underperformed at the top of the league are going into league play and facing a gauntlet. It's a right. lot of other teams that have underperformed to even lesser expectations. And, and that makes me want to trend up with VCU and Dayton and even someone like SLU, I think can also mm-hmm. be a potential team worth backing. Uh, we've each got a second team to back here. Matt, I'll kick to you first. You tell the folks who you're, who else you're looking to, to get behind. Oregon is my team. It's a Ducks team that's getting healthier. The problem with the Ducks this season has been their guard play, which is where most of their injuries lie. But I think the recent... Um, ascension, I guess, of Brennan Rigsby. The Juco stud has been a revelation. Rivaldo Soares, his guys are starting to heat up too. Quincy Gary, their other wing, is presumably healthier. And they got some beast up front. I think once Oregon gets some inside-out balance, which we're starting to see, which we've already seen evidence the last few games, um, the only annoying part was their kind of le- second-half lull letdown against Riverside. They've taken their foot off the gas in some of these games, but I think they've mm-hmm. shown that they're a really good team. So I think when you see them step up in class against Pac-12 teams, um, you get a full 40-minute motivation 
type of Ducks team that's going to show up consistently. So I'm looking to back them, not as a large favorite, but when they enter conference play, tighter at close games. Like we, we, we see the vintage uh, Altman, February, March, Ducks soar. Yeah, we always Especially, love the the just need to win type of spreads, right, Kai? Those yeah, are the, the lower ones that we we Best type those. of spreads to bet, absolutely, Jim. And especially Bartholomew's coming back in January. Yeah, so once he's fancy. back in the yeah. lineup, this team has top twenty upside. They just do. Yep, uh, Kai. Who? What about the, uh, your second team? You're looking to back. Well, I'm going a mid major, Jim. I'm going to the A Sun, Jacksonville State, uh, a team that has, we'll say, underachieved analytically this season, but injuries have been a huge issue for them. And it's been uh, kind of underscored because they're such a brand new team. Uh, Ray Harbor brought in a bunch of new transfers, Juco guys, freshmen. They weren't very cohesive to start the year. I think they're going to be much better going forward. You saw the first step against Little Rock when they were up by 20 in that game, ended up covering barely, but still covering. I think this is a team that will finish top three in a very good A sun and a team that's going to be playing their best basketball over the next couple of months. I've, I've skirted a couple close wins with them in the non-con uh, ATS barely, but I, I do think like they, they are a prime get better as the team goes as they all get familiar with each other. That's, that's a great call. Uh, one of the teams I'm looking to back is TCU. We just talked about them in the power game of the week section, how I just think they're a different team with miles and ball. I won't rehash all that stuff. I, I just like the way that they are trending. I love them preseason. So it kind of aligns with my priors that they're playing better. And when things align with my priors, I get to be biased towards them and and step in. So uh, definitely looking to get to the get on the the side of the Horned Frogs. On the flip side, uh, I'll just keep the mic real quick here. A couple teams I'm looking to fade also lie in the Big 12. That would be Texas and West Virginia. And Texas, I think, is more obvious. The reason why Chris Beard will probably not coach the rest of the year based on some of yeah. the off the court issues that he is going through. And when you go from Chris Beard to Rodney Terry, I think you become a categorically different team. Uh, worse probably in that direction and against the gauntlet of the big 12 i think they're really going to suffer the, the coaching in that league is so good that having a, a sort of disadvantage at the coaching spot is really going to be a problem for them so definitely looking to fade texas west virginia on the other hand is more about shooting regression uh, using the, the website shot quality they are due for negative regression in every aspect of the game. Their own three-point shooting, opponent's three-point shooting. Their own mid-range shooting, opponent's mid-range shooting. Uh, their own post-up scenarios, opponent's post-up scenarios. They just had really beneficial luck. And I think when you go against tougher opponents, that starts to to trend back the, the wrong way for West Virginia. And Matt, I know you love Huggy Bear, but I just think their value is a little too high right now. Yeah, it probably is. And the guard play, you're right. Do you trust it all the way for entire... Conference season, I'm not sure I do. I trust Huggins, though. Um, I don't know if they're a fade for me, but they're certainly not a buy. I'd just be holding. If you, whatever shares you have, kind of hold on to them. You know, the line it's too far one way. Don't be afraid to play him. Lead too far the other way. Uh, don't be afraid to fade him. I, I somehow managed to cover Matt this week with Buffalo against West Virginia, one of the most erratic teams. They they held on to a, a plus oh, yeah. 19 and a half spread. They, they ended up losing by 18. I think we started to see it a little bit with West Virginia. I'm looking forward to hopefully making a little bit more in league play. Kai, who are you looking to fade in conference play? Jim, I'm looking at Arizona State, and there's one trend I'm looking at. It's that Bobby Hurley tends to play down in conference play. We've seen in the past this team, this program, be very good in the non-conference. They've even gotten a number one in the country before, not too long ago. And then they come crashing down in league play. Why that is necessarily, I'm not really sure, because they have played tough non-conference schedules over the last couple of years, but it's been a consistent trend with them. I don't give him a lot of credit as a coach. I'm sorry to all the Bobby Hurley fans out there. 
Uh, so I think Arizona State's playing a bit above their heads right now. I think they'll come crashing down just a little bit in Pac-12 play, at least against the number. Yeah, that's it, it always feels like they get, they have these monster non-conferences and then then eh, it just doesn't totally sustain. Uh, Matthew, what about you? Who are you looking to fade? Uh, a couple of teams. The one that really jumped, though, is Purdue, as well as that sounds when you what? have an alien inside like Zach Eady. My angle here is very simple. I think, as we've seen with the Big Ten struggling in the NCAA tournament in years past, you can kind of transfer that to Purdue within the Big Ten, a league that has multiple, many, many great bigs, uh, options to... You can't neutralize Zach Eady, but you can at least throw a partially competent body up against him and keep him from completely eating you inside. We've also seen some teams devise, uh, Nebraska notably, good game plans to scheme against him, take him away, uh, like backside helps, all that time. As the book comes out on how to slow down Zach Eady, I think that kind of results in Purdue's value starting to slip a little bit because I think it puts a lot of pressure on the freshman guards who are good, but have had their lives made so much easier by how awesome Zach's been. So at top, what, what are they seventh in Kempom? Oh, that's too high. I think they're a slight fade for me going into big, which, play. which team has figured out Zach Eady? Uh, Nebraska did pretty well. And then the next game, and they haven't covered the last three. I think they're 0-3 the last three against the spread. I mean, they're all very near non-covers, but like, I think yeah, Purdue has a true. slight bit of, of regression coming. They're priced in the moon. Yeah, they, they kept the ball out of Edie's hands. True. That was like True. the one thing they did, Nebraska. But he also had 17 rebounds and seven blocks. So right. you're not going to stop Zach Edie, but the solved, question but... is, right, he's not solved. You're not solved. No one's going to solve. But yeah, if you keeping the ball out of his hands is the way to beat him. And it's much easier to do with big men compared to guards. So I sort of buy that angle. Uh, all right, that wraps it up for us this week, fellas. That is our Big Bets on Campus episode. This was the last episode before Christmas. We'll sneak one in before New Year's next week, looking ahead to the New Year's Eve kind of slate, give you some breakdowns there. Uh, but thank you again to BetMGM, to Action Network. Looking forward to talking to you folks again next week. We'll see you then. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.